0: Welcome
1: to Rugged Theology, where we talk about church planting, theology, and drink coffee.
0: Welcome to another episode of Rugged Theology. I am your host, Adam Diamond, and today with me, I have a uh, somewhat decent group of guys. I'll give you somewhat of a compliment. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so today I have, uh, to my left, you guys can't see it, but to my left is Mr. Matthew Leahy. Hey, everyone. To my right, I have uh, our summer intern, Matthew Rogers. Hello, everybody. And as almost always, we have Mr. Stephen Dow joining us. Greetings. Greetings. Look at that. What a radio voice. Working you, on it. Yeah, you got a face for radio. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. appreciate it. Oh, man. So I did a couple years of journalism, and uh, we did print and uh, radio through there, and uh, that was a common joke that a lot of us had the uh, face for radio. I loved it. All right, guys. So today we are going to talk about the wrath of God. (laughs) I'd say
1: yay, uh, but, you know, uh, no. Very fun topic.
0: All right. So the wrath of God that was satisfied... Love that song. Um, but that's what we're going to talk about today because it's something that, you know, a lot of us don't really like t- to talk about. Um, so just to get started, Like, can you guys help me define like what is wrath? When we say wrath of God, what do we mean when we say wrath? I would say it is a settled, effective anger against evil.
2: That's so important that you qualified it against evil and yeah. not just against the tides against candy again like it's well, important yeah
1: it is very important because when we're talking about wrath especially when we're talking about the wrath of god we're not talking about something arbitrary that mm-hmm. god simply decided i think today i'm going to hate this thing which happens
0: with toddlers a lot yeah i mean you would know right matt <laughs>
2: Uh, are you implying that I'm a toddler? Or are you implying that my you, you have a toddler? <laughs> <laughs>
0: I mean, could go. Yeah, maybe. Right? I, yes, if to I, both. If I ask Ruth, she might say she might say, you know, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no. So like, I mean, you, we have kids, and we can be fickle as well, right? No, we can decide one day I really like this, and you wake up, and you're like, yeah, no, I I I really wish I didn't buy that or I didn't do that, and we can be pretty fickle at times. So it's a decided. Anger against
1: a settled anger, a settled effective anger mm-hmm. against
0: evil. Against evil. Mm. All right. So, like when we talk about wrath again, is there a difference when we talk about the human wrath, or you know, for this part, even anger and God's wrath? I mean, we usually when I mean, we were created in God's image, so you know, are we making any sort of mistake when we you know look at our own anger and wrath, and then we kind of look towards God see how God reacts to things?
1: Okay, first of all, I'm going to want to make a very strong distinction between anger and wrath. Mm-hmm. Because the fact is, humans do have anger, and there is actually in anger itself nothing wrong with it. In uh, The Bible will tell us, you know, in your anger do not sin, and if that's the case, that would mean then that there is a sense in which we can have anger without, sin, uh, without sinning. I would go so far as to say, when it comes to humans, mm-hmm. uh, unless you're Jesus, your wrath is always going to be sinful. I think that's why, like you see in Psalm thirty-seven, uh, a refrain from anger, but forsake wrath. Fret not yourself; it ends only in evil. Mm-hmm. Uh, wrath, when it comes to a human action, and I mean Proverbs is going to talk about the man of wrath uh, stirring up division and, and and division and that kind of thing, because human wrath is almost always going to be self-righteous. We, we're going to have trouble actually ex- executing wrath without being, uh, because we are in fact ourselves sinners and thus, well, evil, mm-hmm. we're always going to be self-righteous when we try to execute wrath,
0: which is different from God. Mm. So it's kind of like, you know, I can have some semblance of righteous anger um, towards someone like, say... um If someone does something towards the church or towards a Christian friend or something, and like I'm very upset by that, I'm very angered by that. But when I act on that anger, I'm more or less likely to act in a selfish way.
1: Right. Or at least a very self-righteous way.
2: Yeah, and James talks about this at the end of chapter 1, where he says human anger does not produce the righteousness that God requires. Uh, And that's because our anger, and in large part you could say our wrath, is so intricately uh intertwined with sin that we simply cannot attain and acquire the righteousness that god requires of those who call themselves christians if we're constantly being given over to our own sinful wrath and an anger
0: right so when god acts in wrath when he exacts his judgment um he doesn't have that flaw that we have right so there is definitely a big issue if we try to say that god is like us in his anger and in his wrath
1: uh, very definitely and that's going to be one of the problems that we I think people run into when they talk about the question of God being wrathful mm-hmm. because it's very easy for us to say you know wrath is uh, an evil ugly thing because when humans do it it almost always is uh, the effective because when we start to be effective in our anger against evil in the sense of actually uh, you know trying to rectify it but through our anger. Mm-hmm we almost always will do, well, similar evils or equal and opposite er- evils to try and recompense the evil, because again, we we don't have the ability to govern ourselves, we don't know what righteousness is in ourselves, mm. whereas God does.
0: Yeah, it's kind of like what we've read in the Psalms, so if you're listening, um, every Wednesday we kind of do a praying through the Psalms on Mawa Mission. Mm. Uh, at four o'clock our time, you can find it on Facebook, a little advertisement right there, uh, but we've seen in the Psalms a few times already that, you know, David has written, you know, like, you know, be angry and don't sin. Uh, but he's also said, like, vengeance is the Lord's. Right. Right? Like, you know, you can be angry and not sin, but leave that judgment, leave that vengeance. Which
1: is quoted in the New Testament as well. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, um, ju- ju- uh,
0: vengeance is mine, I will repay. Yep.
2: Romans. Yeah. Romans. Okay. seven.
1: Yeah, I, I'm one of those guys who didn't grow up memorizing exact Bible verses. I know it's in Romans. Yeah, so. Let
2: me check. Let me check the matrix. Yeah, I don't know. Cut all that. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's staying in. <laughs> yeah.
0: All right. So, um, with that said, if God's wrath is different than our wrath, if it's different from anger, um, and if it's against evil,
1: now again, I just want to make sure that mm-hmm. we make it clear: God's wrath against evil is different because of the character of who has the wrath. Mm-hmm. It's not because. He isn't angry against evil. It's because his own character allows him
0: to do it righteously. Mm-hmm. So, with that said, it probably should have a role in our preaching and our explanation of the gospel.
2: It I, absolutely should. And I, I just, before we even get into that, I want to preface this next section by talking about how the idea of preaching on the wrath of God, I don't want to say it's gone but it has significantly uh
0: waned decrease
2: yeah waned and decreased mm-hmm. in even the last 100 years even the last 50 years right because the wrath of god is it's an uncomfortable subject because it causes us to wrestle with the fact that there is an authority above us who will hold us accountable Go ahead, Well, and,
1: and i mean i don't want to cause people to think badly about each other too mm-hmm. the fact is because our experiences with wrath have almost always been negative experiences, mm. we would gen- generally import that negative experience into our understanding of the wrath of God. We, Because human wrath is always sinful, uh, we end up imagining that God, because, you know, he's like, when we talk about wrath, we use our own selves as examples and say, well, then that must be wrong. Mm -hmm. And so then people are going to have trouble understanding or believing that there is a God who has wrath, because in our understanding, wrath is always bad.
3: And it's not that the wrath is bad, it's that our conception of that wrath is bad. Correct.
2: You know, I remember years ago, I was uh, sat down at a wedding and I was having a chat with a, a pastor um, over in Australia, and I you know was really curious to hear about his church and his preaching style and you know all the topics he he preached on. and um, so I asked him one day, you know, what's your approach to preaching? Do you focus on certain attributes of God? do you focus on others, or do you preach the whole council of God? And he said, you know, I don't f- tend to focus on you know, the, the holiness of God or the judgment of God or the wrath of God anymore. And I, I remember him distinctly saying that had a time and a place in history, and that's not for now. In other words, he was promoting that all we need to do is preach on the love of God, the mercy of God, the forgiveness of God. And that's, that's a really dangerous thing to do if, if all you're focusing on is the, you know, the, the dare I say, it, nicer or more comfortable attributes of God.
0: Well, in, in in an essence, I mean, he's slightly right in his approach to, like, how do you explain the gospel to certain generations, mm. right, types. Um, but, you know, in the sense of, do we need to beat people over the head and say, you're going to hell? You know, this judgment mm. is coming, like, every time, fire and brimstone, and that, and the, you know, that doesn't have to be in every sermon, but it doesn't mean you avoid the subject altogether.
1: Well, and, and I think there's also a negative way of, there's a self-righteous way of preaching the wrath of God. You notice that a lot of people, when they talk about the negative views of the way people have preached the wrath of God in the negative times, it's almost always, you guys down there who are not in the pulpit with me are sinners. You you guys need to change your lives. You need you guys need to repent and turn to Jesus, which, by the way, is true, but he could turn that around and he could just sit go sit down mm-hmm. in, the, uh, in the congregation and the same sermon would in fact still be true mm-hmm. because, you know, we're all sinners and we all stand before God condemned. Mm -hmm. The difficulty is going to be that usually you can... hmm. The reason that I think we have to worry about avoiding the wrath of God is because we are infinitely willing to believe in our own goodness and in the evil of others. Uh, I I think I I might need to repeat that. We are infinitely willing to believe in our own goodness and in the evil of others.
2: And the end result of that... and I as I'm listening to you talk, Steve, like I'm looking at this quote by a guy named Richard Niebuhr. I, can't, I don't know if I'm saying his, his last you name mean, right Reinhold Niebuhr? No, it says Richard Niebuhr right here on, on okay. this on the site but he, he famously described this liberal theology that's permeating throughout you know much of Western civilization. In talking about the uh, pastors not preaching on the wrath of God, he says, "A God without wrath brought men without sin." Into a kingdom without judgment through the ministrations of a Christ without a cross. I'm pretty sure that's Reinhold Niebuhr. Maybe the article has it wrong, then. Yeah. Anyway, it's a great quote. Whoever you are out there, great quote. Thank you for giving us
0: that. But <laughs> you it's may like, be wrong, but <laughs>
2: I'm not saying you're wrong, but you're definitely wrong. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's something that we don't like to deal with, yeah. right? I mean, Jesus Himself, even, even in the parable, right? You know take the plank out of your own eye before you deal with the speck in your brothers. We're so quick to see the evil in others when well, we could be doing much worse in our own lives.
1: And, and, and I mean, I have to say, I, I'm i I'm right now kind of getting weird flashbacks from Sunday, because uh, if, you, if you went to church at Calvary this, year, this week, I had to preach through Amos chapters 1 and 2. And one of the things that you realize in minor prophets is that it's very rarely positive. But one of the things that you run into is the fact that In that particular passage, and it's done in a lot of different places throughout Scripture, uh, Romans 1 and 2 being another example, or the place where uh, Nathan is talking to David about his sin with Bathsheba, it happens again, where God uh, points out the evils that people are having. And nobody ever has problems seeing evil as evil. They have problems seeing the evil as theirs, so the, the the situation where somebody says you are the man in Amos, where he said where you know the, he goes through the list of all of the other people groups and says Israel, you guys are just as bad, if not worse, or uh, you know uh, David, you did this. Um, in Romans, you know the wrath is uh, wrath of God is revealed against all unrighteousness, and you're like this because you do the very same things when you get to chapter 2. Again, reasons why you should never actually just read individual Bible verses, you should read the whole chapter if you can. But we don't want to agree—we will be happy to agree with that there is evil out there, but we're only happy to agree that evil is out there. It's never in our own hearts.
3: Mm-hmm. Well, and the thing is, too, that if there, you know, we believe in a God who is good, mm-hmm. and God loves good, therefore he must hate evil. Which is true, by the way. Mm-hmm. So, since since he hates evil, he must have wrath against said evil well, in order to love good.
2: That's taken right out of Nahum, right? So, I'm just going to read, you know, chapter 1, verse 2. So says, the Lord is a jealous and avenging God. The Lord is avenging and wrathful. The Lord takes vengeance on his adversary. Adver- Adversaries. Adversaries, adversaries, thank you, uh, and keeps wrath for his enemies, right? Yes. And so I think that the concept of God's wrath runs from Genesis to Revelation. You, can't, like, you just cannot separate his wrath from his other divine attributes.
1: Yeah. And of course, the issue is going to be we're going to have trouble with God's wrath for a couple of different reasons. If we are totally seeing that there's evil out there in the world, mm-hmm. we're happy with God's wrath against the evil that's out there in the world if we think that everybody is basically good and we rec- and you know in the quiet of our rooms we recognize that we have some of the same evils as other people then where you don't want to talk about wrath at all
3: because then we'd have to actually accept the fact that we face wrath against ourselves mm-hmm. well that goes right back to your sermon on Amos about how he goes through all of Israel's enemies and then mm-hmm. he goes to Israel
0: right yeah part part of the issue is that you know as humans one we don't want to deal with our own hearts right we'd much rather deal with other people it's easier to deflect easier easier to look at you know bigger you know quote unquote worse sins and Mm -hmm. you know i'm not as bad as joe blow down the street or skipper up the road um but we do have evil in our own hearts and we are subject to god's wrath as well and that's a hard thing for us as well which makes sense why it's easier to talk about god's forgiveness God's mercy, God's grace, which is all great stuff. I mean, we should be talking about that. But if we talk about that alone,
1: mm-hmm. we're always going to imagine that we are okay and good and fine, that this, that the evil is always going to be outside of us, because that's what we naturally believe. We need to talk about the wrath of God against sin, specifically our sin, because without it, we end up self-righteous. Not because... Not because the world is going to make us this way, or not because the text makes us self-righteous, it's because, well, we were born self-righteous, and self-righteousness is our native language, so Mm -hmm. we'll tend back to it if we are left to it.
0: There's one thing you said, Steve, in one of your sermons, um, not long after I started with Model 1 Mission in 2019, Um, and I've I've actually never forgotten that. It It was a really good line. Um, you, you said, you know, like, we want God to deal with evil. I mean, you've been going through the Minor Prophets, so you've been dealing with evil a whole lot through the Minor Prophets. Yeah,
1: I don't know what I was doing when I said I'm going to do the Minor Prophets. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and I, I took one of the, you know, reprieve books from you. I, I took Jonah. Uh, so that will be a little break for you, but that one's yeah. done now. So sorry about that. <laughs>
1: I'm taking a long time going through, so I'm going to do Jonah again,
0: <laughs> fix all my mistakes. Uh, but uh, no, you said that, you know if we want God to deal with evil, then that means that He's also going to deal with us. Yeah, like if we want God to wipe out all the evil, that means we're getting wiped out too. Yep. Right. With outside of Jesus, outside of faith in Christ, it means that if God deals with evil now, if we want Him to deal with evil now to bring judgment, you know, only God can judge me. That means we're getting wiped out too. Yes. And I can remember you saying like, you know, I don't think we want that. But
2: (laughs) But, here's the thing though, right? So yeah, go ahead. So, but here's the thing, right? So if God didn't withhold his wrath from his son on the cross, being the perfect spotless lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, if he didn't withhold his wrath from him, where do we stand? Where do we stand?
1: Well, and I mean that's going to be a fairly because the wrath of God on Christ is because Christ is respl- replacing us.
2: Ooh, now you're going somewhere. Mm-hmm. Now you're going somewhere, Steve. Uh,
1: I mean, the famous quote that you run into uh, when in, in more Reformed circles: all, go, all, all, all sin is punished, all of it. Mm-hmm. Period. Mm-hmm. God will actually invent His entire wrath; it will be either on the on the sinner himself or on the Christ who stood in the stead of yeah. ruined sinners.
3: Which is why we need not worry, because we have Christ who bore the wrath on the cross, mm. and which is why we can go to him.
1: Which, by the way, is why the gospel is good news. Why would it be good news that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins? Why would it be good news that Jesus came in the flesh to live the life that we had to live? Unless... There was a, a singular, very major problem that he dealt with, namely the wrath of God. I mean, that's going to be another big problem we run into here, because you know, primarily we're saying that the thing that God's that uh, God saved us from on the cross is His own just wrath, mm-hmm. not just not not just you know sinfulness in an abstract sense, but the fact that He has a settled, effective. Anger against evil,
0: and, and like you said, Steve, the key fact here is understanding God's character. If you have a mis uh, or a misconstrued or a wrong idea of who God is, um, then you're not going to properly understand His wrath and how that fits into His character and how that fits into the greater scheme of things. the... You know, at the, the greater story of scripture, the mer- meta narrative of pointing us to Christ. Right. And especially that, honestly, God's wrath is one of his
1: excellencies mm-hmm. for which we should be praising him, not merely something that we should, you know, kind of grudgingly accept. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful, amazing thing that all sin gets recompense. There is no such thing as evil that doesn't get fixed. God deals with all of it.
0: And that's that's a God we should want to serve, yeah. Um, because if God is so good, like if obviously we want to serve a good God, we want to serve a God who you know deals with, you know, um, deals with evil, delivers justice, loves us, you know, offers us grace, which is something we don't deserve, mercy, which is also something we don't deserve. Uh, but you know, this is a great God. Uh, but if He's that great, if He's that good, then He has, like you, like we said before, He has to be, you know angry at sin, at evil. He has And of has course, to be. let's
1: not be abstract about the evil that we're talking mm-hmm. about. This is all those evil things that we're thinking about when we think, oh, how can God possibly allow X to exist in the universe? Because X exists in the universe, obviously God cannot be good. Well, of course, we're not at the end of the story yet, but you're, you're saying essentially that there must be something wrong with God because he's not angry at, uh, I don't know... Uh, Child slavery, uh, child sex slavery in Th- uh, in Thailand, or I think in the North problem America. is that people but want. He is.
2: Yeah, I, and I think the problem that people have is that they don't see him acting like when they want him to act. Right. Yes, and so but that's we, the whole bigger picture that we, we only see about. one
3: perspective, mm-hmm. and that's and we we try to put God into our perspective and not recognize that we are not God mm-hmm. and we don't have that perspective
1: and. Again, this is going to be. I say this with some trepidation. We don't see the sin in our own hearts, the ways that we do things and say things, and that God has infinite wrath against.
0: Mm -hmm. So, like walking down. So, I just moved uh, downtown uh, to you know get ready to you know start the very very early beginnings of downtown community church. Uh, But uh, yeah, so we can celebrate that. Uh, But uh, you know. I've obviously come across some very interesting things living in downtown. You know, downtown of any city is a very interesting spot. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's sin in my life, and it's happened when I walk past certain types of people, and I have certain types of thoughts. Yeah, right about the type of people they are, about um, you know what they're looking for. You know, like instead of seeing them as created in God's image, in need of the gospel, um, realizing as well that they were someone's son and daughter, not much like my own kids. Mm-hmm. And as a five-year-old, they probably weren't planning to be strung out on drugs walking down the road looking for the next handout. They weren't planning to be a prostitute trying to turn a trick so they can get their next hit. And, of course, going from the Christian perspective that we are saved by
1: grace alone, mm-hmm. faith alone, apart from works of the law, for all we know, the person that you're looking at there might actually get become saved by Jesus Christ, just as we have been, mm-hmm. and they might actually be a superhero of the faith compared to me just being a normal dude.
0: Yep, and it, it's it's also acknowledging, too, that our faith is from grace. Like, our salvation is from grace. We don't deserve this just as much as, in the moment, I might not think they deserve my time, or they deserve, you know, respect or anything like mm-hmm. that, but I don't even deserve the own salvation I cling to.
1: Yep, and they they deserve salvation as much as you did.
0: And I deserve the same wrath yeah. as what I think that they deserve. Right. I'm, I'm not, and that's where it comes back to our own sin. Why this conversation is uncomfortable is that we can say, I'm not as bad as so-and-so there, and no, in your own eyes, you're not. But if sin is sin, if sin is an affront to a holy God, no matter what it is, then we are subject to the same wrath that someone who killed their mother is. We are subject to the same wrath. Yeah. like that now that's not to, to say that those. all sins are equal. It's just to say that you know you
1: actually don't know how bad that person is, mm-hmm. and you don't know how bad you are. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, there are different consequences to sin. Obviously, someone who kills someone, you know, absolutely should be caught, should be charged, yeah. should be thrown in jail. Absolutely As opposed to someone who lies about stealing from their mother's purse or something. Right. Uh, but those sins are also make us. In rebellion to a holy God. Well, well I mean, there's
3: also a difference between a crime mm-hmm. and a sin, yeah. because a crime is what we do against the law. A sin is before a holy God that we are doing. It. Right,
1: and of course the other thing, too, is we, when we're dealing with all of this, um, the differences between these things, we like to believe that there are massive differences between the sin that that other person has done and the sin that I have done, because we like to validate ourselves. But the fact is, before a holy infinite God, the difference is a micrometer like it really isn't worth
0: looking at
2: like sinners in the hands of an angry God good sermon it is good sermon I drew blank sir
0: that's fine uh, so guys we we've you know we're about 26 minutes in um, I think we've had a pretty good conversation here um, but I mean this all fits back to that question before uh, Matt asked another question like how does this fit in the gospel and I think we've done a pretty good way of explaining that that the reason, because people are like, you know, I've heard people like, why, do you, why should I worship a God who saves me from, from himself? Well, I mean, if God is so good, I mean, we want to worship a good God. Yes, Steve, I, I see your brain turn, turning there.
1: Well, I mean, it's an interesting question to say, why should I believe in a God that uh, saves me from himself? He doesn't. Mm-hmm. He saves me from the results of evil, mm-hmm. my evil. Yep. and yes, he would actually bring about the just results of that. That's like saying, why should I uh, obey a police officer who you know is uh, stopping me from breaking his uh, the laws that he's defending? Like,
0: <laughs> I, I've heard these questions, but if we want to believe in a good and holy and just God, then that God has to bring evil to account, and that means evil in our own lives, absolutely, and that means anything outside of Christ. It it does not save us from his wrath, his wrath which is out of love, because he would not be loving if he ignored said evil.
3: And that's why he is both a loving God and a wrathful God, because Mm -hmm. he loves what is good and is therefore hates what is evil. So even when Jesus was angry in the temple, and he drove the the merchants out of the temple, Mm -hmm. he was doing so out of of love, out of his... That's God's house, and they are they are, in a sense, defaming yeah. what is God's house.
1: And I, I think it's interesting. Sometimes we like to play uh, play the two off of each other, like the
3: wrath of God and the love of God are two different things,
1: when in fact they're actually two sides of the same coin.
0: His oh. wrath is loving. And his love is wrathful. Mm-hmm. All right, guys, this is a great conversation. Um, if you're listening, I hope you've kind of enjoyed it. Again, this is an interesting topic, something uh, that... You know, depending on which uh, you know denomination or theological group you're part of, you may not talk about it a whole lot. Uh, so I hope it's you know challenged you. I hope you even enjoyed it. If it's something you talk about a lot yourself, uh, but it is important that we do talk about all the attributes of God. Um, and maybe later on we can talk about the simplicity of God, which is an interesting topic as well. It is. Uh, but thanks for listening. Catch us again next week, and I'll be talking to Jennifer Winger, our women's director. Uh, and about how she's been training our female interns this summer. So look forward to that. Thanks for listening, guys.
1: You have been listening to Rugged Theology. Rugged Theology is a podcast of Mile One Mission. If you'd like to know more about Mile One Mission and our work in Newfoundland, please visit us at www.mileonemission.ca.